I, I made a, an ironic tweet this uh, this afternoon that's like, oh, are superhero movies the new bread and circuses? He joked as the world burned around him. <laughs> and yeah. it's like kind of – yeah, we, I like talking about cultural events, you know, when times are good. But like times haven't been good <laughs> for yeah. a while. Times have not been good. But also I, I would maybe say that the true genius of that tweet is that it does actually encapsulate the current situation, which is superheroes are not the new uh, bread – and bread and horses? Is that what you said? Circuses. Bread and circuses. Uh, the the Romans loved horses. They loved themselves um, a good horse. But Nero, the uh, I don't think superhero movies are the new bread and circuses. I think the discourse movie, the discourse about movies and language and whether or not hot dogs are sandwiches, that is the bread and circuses. Like. The, the discourse that we find ourselves trapped in is what's keeping us from actually enacting change. Yeah, probably. The effort that we put into posting on Twitter to be like, if any of my mutuals follow this problematic leftist, <laughs> then we have to unfriend e- Like, all of the effort that we put into our performative social media persona, uh, that that is what's going to tie up our brains as the world burns around us. And I am very much guilty of that. Uh, VTubers. Buckle up them seatbelts, because tonight we've got all of the hard-hitting news. First off, John has a new beer, and then... We've got nothing. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name's much-talked-about-beer-having John. And together we're Henry and much-talked-about-beer-having John, coming at you to discuss fucking nothing. Yeah, it's it's uh it's bad out there in terms of things we could be talking about. I mean, um, and also our personal lives very busy. We're very busy. Uh, we don't have quite the, uh, the 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 time we would like to dedicate to like sussing out very cool, trendy cultural happening stories. And also, the zeitgeist is just being dominated by. People doing shitty things to yeah to to each to each other and also to innocent bystanders and I just why <laughs> I mean there there have been moments in the past where you and I have deemed to add our voice to this but I I think this is definitely one of those weeks where 
I don't know how much difference our voice really makes, and talking about it will really just bum us out. Right. So, man, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's not anything I can say about gun control that hasn't been said by thousands of others. And or, not a- or us, five to ten times on this podcast. Right. D- because this has happened five to ten times during this podcast's existence. And there's nothing I can say that would ever change the powers or the minds of the Supreme Court. So, again, like, I mean, what? What do you want from me, world? You- what What power do we have? We just get together. We hang out for an hour. We're doing our best. I know. Like... I, one of my favorite teachings of uh, um, Christianity is like, you should use your God-given gifts in a way that pleases the Lord or whatever. It's like, so, okay, I got this voice. I put it on the air. I talk about my shit and like nothing changes. <laughs> so Yeah, this is all we've got, God. Yeah, God. Why don't you do some, some lifting <laughs> up there, huh? I mean, personally, I'm a deist, so I don't think God lifts much of anything. I hear you. Um, uh, but I'm not a deist. Uh, I don't hear funny, you. Funny belief system, though, deism. Oh, it's fu- the clockmaker? That's one of my favorites. Yeah, clockmaker, a kid with a terrarium, classic. Yeah, that's one of my favorite uh, interpretations of the universe. And that's the interpretation that our, our country was made on. Yeah. It, it's it's funny that we made our we wrote God into so much of our stuff in an interventionist way, but yeah. a lot of the people who founded this country thought God couldn't be bothered to give a shit. No, he just wound up the thing and and let it run. But I'm getting ahead of myself, John, because uh, I think I heard a can being cracked open. Yeah, I, I think you did. I also heard a can being cracked open. That's going to invite me to jump into one of our long-running yet unnamed segments, Henry Soberchek. Oh, Henry, my God. you drinking alcohol tonight, buddy? Not tonight. Unfortunately, I'm still sticking to my, if I'm alone, I'm drinking soda. That's oh, the- alone soda. I guess. I don't know. Uh, but no, I'm still not drinking during the week, um, except for when I meet with friends at breweries to celebrate dogs. Then I'll drink during the week. Yes. Uh, maybe if if we're being hyper-local, we could take some time to talk about Barks for Beers. It's apparently a pretty contentious um, month, oh, yeah. month people in Austin, hate it. for sure. A lot of people... On both sides. A lot of Not people like hate it. Left wing, right wing, but like people in the service industry and then people outside the service industry. No a lot idea. of people hate Barks for Beers. Yeah, I, I just recently read a thing on a, on the Austin subreddit about how people are having a bad time with it. Really bummed me out. But tonight I'm drinking a really good recycle me. See you again soon. A zero calorie. Cola, 12 fluid ounces, 355 milliliters, zero calories per can. That's right. Coca-Cola, zero sugar. Coca-Cola, zero sugar. A classic does not taste like space. I, on the other hand, am drinking something that requires a little bit of explanation. Uh, Henry, I I don't know how closely you follow what's happening in craft beer. I, I know we pretty extensively covered the ongoing uh, and now possibly endemic uh, disease of the juicy, hazy IPA. Uh, but have you heard of a little thing called a dessert stout? Is that a stout that's overly flavored with chocolate or coffee? 
Yeah, so you pretty much nailed it. A dessert stout is something that is... Uh, or the names change. Dessert stout is typically what's called in America. The more trendy name that's picking up in uh, EMEA, uh, Europe, is pastry stout. And a pastry stout is typically an imperial stout with a ton of adjuncts in it, which is stuff that is added to the beer uh, post-initial fermentation to give it a really strong, clear flavor. Pastry stouts are blowing up in the UK, mostly due to this one brewery called Omnipollo. But pastry stouts are now starting to blow up in the microbrewery space in the United States of America. And I have one such pastry stout from right here in Texas. Oh, dude, I'm going to guess... I'm going to guess the pastry. It's going to be a pecan pie. You know, you're actually amazingly close. Okay. How close am I? This is, in fact, a 903 Brewers, I think, brewing out of Sherman, Texas. I don't really know where that is. Um, he was a general, though, I believe. I don't, think it, was na- I don't think it was named after him, if to I'm going to be honest. To, in Texas, probably not. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be named. I don't think the guy who burned a path through Georgia is going to get a, his own... His own town in Texas. Yeah, probably. Sherman, fascinating guy. Um, Anyway, Tecumseh? Was that his name? Something like that, yeah. Uh, 903 Brewers out of Sherman, Texas. An all-boat, no-paddle Texas sheet cake stout. Oh, a Texas sheet cake. Okay, so that means it's Dr. Pepper flavored. Uh, It is, in fact, a stout, imperial stout. Uh, It's like 13% alcohol. Uh, A characteristic of all of these is they have to have a massive alcohol content to cut through the very sweet syrupy adjuncts. Uh, This is an imperial stout aged in chocolate, cinnamon, and pecans. So that's where I was close. Cool. Yeah, you were very close with the pecans. I'm not familiar with a Texas sheet cake if that's like a thing. Um, So... The only Texas cake I am familiar with is a Dr. Pepper shake. No, that's the Whataburger thing. It's a Dr. Pepper cake, which is mm, very I am close. Familiar, I am familiar with a Dr. Pepper cake. I believe we've talked about it. It sounds disgusting. It's actually uh, not that bad. It kind of tastes like a Dr. Pepper shake from Whataburger. I, I think soda and cake is actually kind of slept on. I think Paula Dean had it right. Of course, I'm a big fan of the all-boat, no-paddle name. Uh, very good for Texas, all-hat, no-cattle. Oh, uh, what is that? Is that a saying here in Texas? It is. It means you dress like a cowboy or otherwise act like someone from Texas, but you're a complete poser. It is typically used to uh, uh, describe people like Theodore Cruz. Gotcha. All hat, no cattle. I like it. Yeah, you. it's all hat, but you don't actually have any cattle. It's people who right. drive pickup trucks but never haul anything. Right. Uh, it's people who wear cowboy boots but never go two-stepping. Uh, so it's like all the people who move to Texas. I mean, exactly. like us, us included, but we don't... We, we didn't quite fall into the boots and hats of it all. Yeah, all the boots and hats and boots and hats. and Right. Uh, so all boat, no paddle is like, it, it's a play on that, but also a play on, you know, like up a creek without a paddle. Oh, true. It's like a double, double entendre. Now, I, I haven't read the sizzle text on this beer, so I'll read it right now. And if it's uh, inflammatory, we'll delete it. And also maybe I'll stop drinking the beer. Uh, But we're rolling down a river of chocolate with our friends at Pontoon Brewing. That's right. We're talking about a collab. 
Uh, this collaboration stout is inspired by our shared southern roots and the scrumptious dessert Texas sheet cake. Apparently that's a thing. Uh, I need to look that up. All Boat and No Paddle evokes this classic confection's wildly indulgent nutty chocolate goodness from the lightly spiced fudgy cake to the decadent cocoa pecan frosting. This beer's thick chocolatey waves will take you away from the daily grind where you can unwind and enjoy a slice of sweet southern life. I don't like that copy. Uh, it feels too southern <laughs> to it's me. It's very on the nose, huh? Like, it, oh. It's, it's very on the nose. There's there's no talk about a margarita maiden. I, so this is where wine bottles, I think, are superior to beer cans and, and the flavor text on beer. Because the, the flavor text or the copy on wine is always evocative. Like, it's it's always like a summer night, a, a, a warm breeze. The notes of cherry, like it, it's not about. It's, it doesn't say like, please enjoy this drink that tastes like this. <laughs> please enjoy this, this chocolate drink. <laughs> <laughs> Although now I want to start a vineyard and have the copy just be like, do you like grapes? <laughs> There's like grapes, grapes in this. You like this probably. Yeah, you might like this. There's some grapes in them. Um, that's all I know about it. I, I will say, um, I'm not. I have not in the past particularly been a fan of what has flown in the United States as a pastry stout, because typically what that is, is big chocolate, big coffee, big cinnamon and caramel stouts. Like the, the flavor profile we always put in our Imperial stouts is like big chocolate, big, uh, big coffee. And that's like it. And this definitely has chocolate in it, but it, it, benefits from uh like adding a lot of sugar to it and it's it's unspeakably delicious it's that's great too much to drink 16 ounces of it which i'm going to do yeah. because it's very thick and syrupy but uh, so i love me a good stout it's, it's my beer of choice but when you get toward the more breakfasty i just find the sugar just kind of bloats you a little too much for a beer you know yeah, I definitely appreciate, and I think this is why I was on uh, early, relatively, on the Juicy Hazy IPA train, is a Juicy Hazy IPA is sitting at, I don't know, six and a half to an 8%, depending, but like crushable, juicy, refreshing, whereas a stout with a lot of sugar in it, like this, it's almost impossible to drink more than 16 ounces of this. Yeah, and also why stouts typically make, for me, a good winter drink, because all that sugar kind of, it fills you up and kind of warms you up while you drink it. Yeah, those calories got to go somewhere, and some of them go to warmth. Exactly. Um, I'll, I mean, a juicy, hazy IPA is also good, because uh, they're relying more on the hoppy flavor of the beer, so they don't add quite as many sugars in there. Yes, for a stout, they really need to with the adjuncts, blow it up, which this beer has definitely been blown up. I'm interested to see if something like a pastry stout would ever take off in a place like Texas, because it never really gets cold enough here to enjoy a beer that's dark enough to be thicker than your average beer. Right. Which is why we, you know, us stout drinkers kind of just settle to drink stouts when we are in the mood for them. Instead of waiting for a typical, like, seasonal change, mostly because, like, yeah, it gets cold, but for, like, the months where I don't drink. So... <laughs> yeah, that's not helpful. <laughs> doesn't help. Doesn't help at all. Um, but I, I I think if you like a good stout, I would 
try to get my hands on a uh, a nitro stout because those are also very good. Oh yeah, I I think this is if I were to tap into my beer prognostication brain, which I've somehow developed over COVID because I've had way fewer things to think about. And hey, maybe I got COVID and now I have a hole in my brain. So now all I can think about is beer. Uh, There's two things. One, pastry stouts served on nitro would be amazing. Uh, And I think that the first brewery that starts doing that in Texas in a major metro is going to clean up. But also there's something happening in beer in the UK that is a significant fad, which is soft serve beer. Now, is this like a like a frozen yogurt, but laced with some goodness? So you're very familiar, I would imagine, growing up in Louisiana with a daiquiri machine. Oh, absolutely, yeah. A uh, daiquiri machine being a steel drum, steel conducting cold very well, that is surrounded by ice, and an auger that turns a liquid around, making sure that it's constantly in contact with new patches of this, so it freezes and turns into a slushy consistency, especially if it has alcohol in it, which creates a very easy slushy consistency as the water freezes, but the alcohol doesn't quite freeze. What a lot of breweries in the UK are doing that are making pastry stouts is they pour you about a half a glass of pastry stout, and then they pour a soft-serve version of that beer in it, so you get a delicious slushy confection uh that is much closer to ice cream than beer now yeah whoever does that first in texas is gonna make a killing oh yeah if if you open up like a truck and you're like yeah i'll serve you a delicious cold beer it's cold so the sweetness doesn't cut through as much it's a very alcoholic uh and it's cold (laughs) Now, th- this is fascinating to me because uh, the UK, very famous for liking their ales and their lagers and maybe even their stouts at room temperature. Yes, I- I'm surprised by this as well, but there's some pretty crazy stuff happening in the UK as far as beer is concerned. There's also some pretty bad stuff, like major breweries in the UK have like uh, huge sexual assault occasions but none of the ones i'm talking about today are those breweries well that's a relief because we don't we don't stand a sexual harassing anything we don't stand any kind of sexual harassment we don't stand sex no we stand sex um well we can take that position as a podcast but i'm gonna become a millionaire by being the first person to do soft serve beer in texas Hey, yeah, do it. What do you need? A couple of millions to get started? I mean, I think you really just need charitably five to ten thousand to get a homebrew set up, created, and buy a daiquiri machine. Then you'll see if it works. And then when it doesn't work, you're out ten grand. But that's business, baby. Yeah, you got to lose money to make money. That's why I took out all those PPP loans. And you have no intention of paying any of them back. They were forgiven. Yeah, <laughs> forgive me, please. They were forgiven. And now, look, we're just dealing with some hyperinflation that has nothing to do with the fact that the government literally printed trillions of dollars and injected them straight into the industries. Absolutely nothing to do with it whatsoever. But hey, I'm just glad so much of that money went to people who were very badly in need. Hold on, I'm getting something. It didn't? Yeah, no, very badly in need of yachts. You mean to tell me it went to the spouses of various senators? 
What do you mean it went to just the wealthy and the guy who owns Ruth Chris Steakhouse? Not Ruth. Not Chris. <laughs> or Chris. I never understood the naming convention but behind Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. I have no idea. I This beer has disappeared very, is disappearing very quickly. Oh, slow down. That's 13%. I know. It's so good, though. It's like drinking a Texas sheet cake. Which you are very familiar with. I mean, I am in Texas. I am it's, looking up a Texas sheet cake. It is. It has its own Wikipedia entry. Oh my god, that's a famous. It's a famous thing. It's a. It's very much a thing. Wow, the pioneer woman, insane. It looks like a shitty cake. Um, it looks like a cake that hasn't leavened properly. Like it's just do cakes leaven. Or risen, I guess. Okay. No, I think a leavened cake is just bread. It might, yeah, probably. All right, John, we gotta we gotta pivot to something more interesting than sheet cake. Okay, uh, more interesting than sheet cake or beer. What could it possibly be? All right. Well, so a, a trailer dropped on Monday, and it set the internet kind of uh, a spark. People were talking about it. Uh, I did not watch the trailer as you, my stance on trailers is very established at this point. Uh, but one thing that I did catch uh, was the, 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 the title of the movie and that the title of the movie threw me for a loop, John. Oh, uh, those of you familiar with Tom Cruise knows he's not, he's not one to shy away from doing a mission impossible, right? No, he's done five or six of them. Yeah, so this is a new one, a new Mission Impossible. Uh, I believe it's called Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. <laughs> Great. I, I, I love this trend in movies where one movie is never enough. This is what I want to talk about. Uh-huh. The Part 1 of it all. I am tired of the Part 1. Let's put it to bed, right? I mean, I, I completely understand where a studio would be coming from in making that decision because it, well, one would assume on paper it kind of seems like a license to print money uh, because you get the initial bump from people who would have seen the next Mission Impossible movie anyway, and then you get the follow-on uh, of people who are like coming in late, don't give a shit what movie they're seeing, and also the people who had seen part one. So you're like doubling up on ticket sales. I get it. Right. It's um, like a supercharged sequel because it's not really a sequel. It's just the rest of the movie that you've already watched part of. Yeah, I, I think this is largely an executive level or a studio level decision. I think as a creator, I wouldn't necessarily want to make a movie that's in two parts, especially if it's like, I don't know, the last movie in a long standing series about cars and family. It would be <laughs> silly uh, to do yes. that. But yes, I, I hate it as well. I, I mean, just to trace the recent history of this phenomenon, like it was the last of the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, uh, the, I believe they, that was the first instance of this happening. Yeah, they had done the, the previous six. And, you know, the books are big, so they cut willy-nilly. They just shredded those things to get these into a reasonable runtime. Uh, but for the last book, somebody up the chain decided, there's too much in this book. Instead of slicing and dicing, let's slice and dice the movie into two movies so we don't have to cut anything out. Like, suddenly they cared about integrity in storytelling. Yeah, I, I think really it... 
particular, I, I think the most egregious thing is when this started to happen to movies like The Hobbit. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, like, so from there it kind of spun out because like Twilight Breaking Dawn got a part one and a part two. Not Breaking Dawn, but whatever the fuck the last one was called. Um, and like Hunger Games split its second, th- its third movie into two parts, even though there wasn't enough there to do that. Uh-huh. And so all these young adult series did it, except for Divergent, which ended in a made-for-TV movie that couldn't get the original cast back in. I know way too much about this shit. Um, but then, yeah, you had The Hobbit, which was a shorter book than The Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. that somehow they had to make into three movies just like Lord of the Rings. Yes, and... uh I think movies that maybe earned the, but then eventually like Dune did that as well. If we're talking more contemporaneous movies, Avengers Endgame earned it. Uh, I, well, I see, think in its structure, it was meant right. to be two movies. I, what I like about the Avengers Endgame of it all is that uh, it was originally pitched to us via like investor meeting as like Infinity War Part 1 and Infinity War Part 2 or whatever. Um, I like that they dressed it up. They called one Infinity War and they called the, the second one something else. Like it, yeah. they, they, they pulled the wool over my eyes in a good way. They dressed it up and uh, made it not quite as obvious. Yeah. I, but I, now I, it's just brazen. Yeah. Well, just Mission Impossible. I know people really like it. I know people really enjoy this series. It's probably a moneymaker, you know, year, not year after year, but movie after movie. Just to me, it doesn't have quite the gravitas to demand a part one into a part two. I mean, I don't know anyone. Uh, and, and this is coming from someone who is a very big fan of action films. I don't know anyone who's like a real big Mission Impossible head. Right. Like So so Top Gun Maverick also came out or is coming out. I uh, no interest in seeing it. Uh, but are, are you familiar generally with what I what I would like to call now the Tom Cruise effect for action movies? Um, I'm you're go you're going to have to elaborate not just for me I, I know what you're talking about uh, but perhaps some of our fans do not so for the for the poor dummies who are listening uh, the the Tom Cruise effect as I'm calling it now is a Tom Cruise movie comes out and people generally see it and in large numbers however Tom Cruise is a very singular actor and singular presence in Hollywood in that when he is in a movie, you're not really going to the movie to watch Mission Impossible Death Protocol, and you're not going to watch like Top Gun Revenge, and you're not going to watch Jack Reacher Slime Rancher or whatever. <laughs> you're you're going to see a Tom Cruise movie because what Tom Cruise brings is a complete disregard for his life and commitment to his craft. Where Tom Cruise movie is fascinating to watch beginning to end exhilarating because that man does almost the entirety of all of his own stunts, uh, does things in almost every movie he's in where if one thing had gone wrong, he'd be super dead. 
Yeah. Uh, y- you have to respect that also he's insane and probably knows where the people who the Church of Scientology killed are buried. Uh, he's got a lot <clears throat> going on, but you don't go to a Tom Cruise movie because you're a fan of the franchise. Okay, I hear you. Yeah, no, at this point, it's very commendable what he does, but I do feel like kind of at this point, the Mission Impossible series especially is kind of like Jackass, but with a story and a plot. I mean, it's really just seeing one man get hurt for two hours. It's a one man Um, Jackass. Like, what the fuck is he going to do next? Which I think is commendable. You know, Jackass for four and a half I guess five movies now uh, has has kind of perfected that formula. You just like to see someone go through ordeals, and I can appreciate that as we enter an age where action movies are uh, kind of more antiseptic, shot in front of a green screen, and CGified. I can respect that Tom Cruise is like, no, fuck that. <laughs> I want to do the craziest shit imaginable, and I want to do it live. Right. I can really appreciate that. He's not unwilling to hang off of a plane. Meanwhile, they are rotoscoping the Thor helmet onto Natalie Portman. Uh, I I can appreciate the contrast, even though he's crazy and evil. Uh, so I, I will probably see this Mission Impossible movie, but just for Tom Cruise. I, I See, I haven't seen the last six. You don't need to. Are you sure? I feel like I'm going to need to know the the intricacies of the characters and the plots and the relationships. Or is it literally kind of like a blank slate each time? It, wait, hold on. Do the, do the directors of this movie, do they make these movies with the forethought that, like, the audience doesn't care about the last five? So we got to, like, like a Dresden novel, we got to reintroduce all of the characters as, as if the audience is seeing them for the first time. Uh, you're not very wrong on that second point. There, There is carryover for the most part in these movies, but they are created with the understanding that, like, y- you're seeing this movie and there's almost no chance you've seen all the other ones because they come out, like, six years apart. Am I insane? A- am, I, am I so absorbed into Fast and Furious that I can't see the flaws within that series? And now I'm looking at Mission Impossible, and they're so similar to each other. I'm like disgusted, but I can't see it in the series that I like. I mean, it, it's entirely possible. I think maybe if we took them in aggregate, uh, Mission Impossible might have a not more artistic merit, <laughs> but it might have fewer low points than the Fast and the Furious does. I think the Fast and the Furious actually has more artistic merit because it makes me feel more things than Mission Impossible ever has. Oh, yeah, and feeling is the most important part of art. Yeah. art is subjective. Yeah, exactly. A machine can't make art. Machine can't make art. That's that's the motto of this podcast. And a monkey can't take a picture that is trademarked, apparently. What? There's this whole there's this whole conversation that's happening right now. Is this about Mission Impossible <laughs> Dreaded Impact Part it's, One? <laughs> it's not. We don't need to get into it. No, did a monkey film it? Is what I want to know. <laughs> that's a very rude way to talk about Christopher Columbus. Oh, is he the director of Mission Impossible Six no, Deep I, Impact? I, I think it's actually Christopher McQuarrie who I don't directed know who that is. the Mummy. 
I know J.J. Abrams did like one or two of them. He did. He did. Yeah. Um. What What did you direct? The first. Mo- oh, The Way of the Gun. That movie rocks. Don't and then know. He it. did Jack Reacher in 2012 with Tom Cruise or with Alan Richson. Um. Uh, this was 2012, so it was definitely Tom Cruise. Alan Richson was a baby in the womb. <laughs> Miscasting. Miscasting. Absol- I mean, in terms of characters who. There is nothing about the character of Jack Reacher that is at all physically comparable to Tom Cruise. Yeah. It's very silly. But he makes a great whatever the fuck the name of the main character in Mission Impossible is. Ethan Hawke. Come on, Tony, even I know that. Tony Collette? <laughs> I no. Ethan <laughs> is that, Hawke. Is that wait, Ethan Hawke is an actor. Ethan Hunt? Ethan <laughs> let me see. Ethan Hunt? Ethan Hunt, you're right, you're right. Ethan Hawke is the actor, Johnny, was in The Northman? Maybe you saw it? Oh, you mean Ethan... Oh, in The Northman, he played Ethan Hunt. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. I, don't you love when you're very, very confident and cocky and then you're wrong? Isn't that your favorite thing? I thought it was a joke. You were so serious. You're like, yeah, Ethan Hawke. You know, you ignorant son of a bitch, you idiot, the father of Maya Hawk from Stranger Things. Come on, use your brain. The guy from The Purge. Uh, what? Ethan Hawke was in The Purge. Uh, he was also in Moon Knight. Was he in Moon Knight? Yeah, he was in Moon Knight. He played a guy named uh, Ethan Hawke. Oh, <laughs> did you say Ethan Haunt? <laughs> you cut out and I legitimately thought you said <laughs> Ethan Haunt. Yeah, don't you know? Um, what's his name? The guy who's Moon Knight. When Ethan, Oscar Isaac? Oscar Isaac is haunted by Ethan Hunt. Ah, I see. When Ethan Hunt and Ethan Hawk do the Dragon Ball Z fusion dance, do they become Ethan Haunt? Oh, yeah, for sure. God help you if you ever cross paths with Ethan Haint. Oh, no. He lives All right, in Shifaru. I think we, we've lost the thread. Um, uh, we have, we have. Mission Impossible. Just make, one, make movies a little bit shorter. I'm I'm tired. I don't want to, I'm already there for like three hours. Want a whole hour of that is just trailers. Just, just make them a little bit shorter. And then two, stop splitting them in twain. Do, do we want to get hyper-local for one second? We can get hyper-local. Are you going to talk about the Richard Linklater thing? I am. Oh, well, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so we went to Austin Film Society, which I cannot believe that in the it almost five rules. years I've lived here, I've never been. And in the intervening month or so, I've been four times. It's gr- It's amazing. I saw the thing from another world there. It's so good. Uh, but I went to a showing presented by founder of the Austin Film Society, Richard Linklater, though he lives in Dripping Springs now. What a traitor. Uh, you know, director of Boyhood, Dazed and Confused, etc. Um, he pres- he's presenting a three-film series of uh, films by Peter Bogdanovich, who is an old friend of his. And Peter Bogdanovich's thing is that he made movies in the... 60s and 70s i think primarily the 70s that were heavily inspired by old hollywood like slapstick kind of romantic comedies from the 30s and 40s marx brothers three stooges 
Uh, I think closer to like your uh, Danny K, Audrey Hepburn stuff. Yeah, but okay, same era. He made a uh, maybe 10, 20 years later, uh, <laughs> but he ten years later maybe but same he, century. But he directed this movie called What's Up Doc, uh, and it stars Ryan O'Leary and Barbara Streisand. And the entire idea behind What's Up Doc is it's supposed to be a live action episode of Looney Tunes starring Bugs Bunny, where Barbara Streisand is very clearly, her character is very clearly inspired by Bugs Bunny, this like comedic troublemaker. First of all, this movie's maybe one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my fucking life. Um, it was unbelievable and and largely critically panned, but like, I I cannot believe I had never heard of this movie. It was It was amazing, but maybe most importantly, this movie was almost exactly 90 minutes long. And when this movie was over, I was like, what a perfect length for a movie. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> there was not a moment in that 90 minutes where anything felt overlong or forced. It was the perfect length of a movie. Yeah, I don't know when this came about. I didn't have to go to the restroom because I knew it was only 90 <laughs> minutes long. I could stretch my legs at the end, but I wasn't like logy or felt weird or yeah. I never got hungry or bored. I, as long as they, from the beginning of comedy movies, the 90 minute runtime has been like set in stone. Comedies are around 90 minutes mm-hmm. and a good comedy like Airplane or what's up doc although i've never seen it pack those those 90 minutes with so many jokes there's not a dull moment now your bad comedies kind of like stretch out too thin they don't have enough material uh but yeah 90 minutes seems to be like the key for making a good comedy movie yeah it's it's 90 minutes was perfect and just make movies a little bit shorter they don't need to be two parts. They don't the the sum of two movies about a man who is short who jumps from a plane does not need to be four and a half hours long. I'm sorry, it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it because are you take a masterpiece like What's Up Duck or like Airplane or, or any good comedy you can think of, and then put that next to like one of your favorite action movies that runs more than ninety minutes. It's like. The content of the action movie, is that really better than, like, just gut punch after gut punch good joke? Well, see, this is something that I've said for a long time that no one agrees with me on, and maybe you will agree. So, action movies, comedies, and horror movies. Now, action movies have significantly drifted from this in the last... Uh, 15 years so let's just say comedies and horror movies they adhere pretty strictly to the 90-ish minute runtime to this day like yeah it's very rare to find a two-hour long comedy and that's because our perception of those genres for them to succeed is for them to convey an emotion effectively And the only way that you can convey an emotion effectively is to keep doing it and orchestrate it in such a way and know your audience well enough. And if you, if you're doing that, it's exhausting and it's very difficult from a a production and a creative standpoint to stretch that out to 120 minutes. So you got to keep it short and pack it with feeling. And I think that like latter day action movies and dramas 
they kind of get away with not making you feel anything at all sometimes. Yeah. Uh, because we've we've been conditioned that we don't want to constantly feel this feeling. We just need like all oh, bursts of action. That's how a bad boys movie can be like two hours long. Uh, or we need like, you know, standout performances and a historical drama or whatever. So it can be almost three hours long, but like the point of a movie is to make you feel something. So maybe we should lean more on the side of the creators who have to keep it tight because they want to keep you feeling something, uh, as opposed to like a two and a half hour long action movie about Tom Cruise. Yeah, uh, I feel like I'm being an old man about it, but I hope my point well, is well made. Well, we're, I, this is kind of like a grumpy old man topic. Like even just the part, let's cut down on part ones is kind of grumpy-ish and, and like showing my age a little bit. Um, but but for sure, yeah, no. So comedies and horrors, yeah, they, they're, they're producing a singular emotion out of you. They might tug at your heartstrings a little bit, but that's really not what they're interested in. Either want to scare the shit out of you or make you laugh until you you're pee yourself. They're all about the uh, the bodily fluids exiting the body, and what you know their respective ways. Uh, I mean, you're like, you're you're not wrong. See, this is why. Let's use Jason Statham, uh, hobby horse of the podcast, as an example. Uh, he has been in two or three, I think three crank movies and three transporter movies. Those adhere largely to the 90 minute rule as action movies, because they want to make you feel exhilarated for the entirety of the movie. Yes. Uh, like, and, and I think the John wick movies largely, well, they can get pretty fucking boring actually. Uh, that's not a good example. Uh, but the crank movies seen the one. and the transporter movies are very much like, we want you to feel exhilarated all the time, which is why this can only be 90 minutes long. Right. Yeah, because otherwise you're going to have a heart attack, and that's the wrong bodily fluids. We don't want you foaming at the mouth. We just want you to, like, be sweating. Yeah, we want you to sweat, pee, or poop. I forget which the last one was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, scare yourself shitless, uh, laugh, laugh until you, you, you pee yourself, or just be covered in sweat. Or be covered in sweat. Listen, if you're not leaving the movie theater covered in your own bodily fluids... What you're are doing you doing? It. Well, it, see that that really it, that goes to show you the director didn't do a good job. Yeah, the, if you're if you're leaving there dry as Ben Shapiro's wife, then the director oh. failed. <laughs> the director did fall fail. I, I I think um yes, so absolutely. Like the tighter run times make it easier to leave you with those feelings, and, and like so many great comedians, or, or I forget who exactly said it, but. I'm just going to type in the quote real quick. Oh, maybe it's a P.T. Barnum quote. Barnum? The Oh, okay. It's the horrible circus guy. Oh, no. Uh, always leave them wanting more. Oh, really? Apparently. Yeah, I mean, that, that seems like something P.T. Barnum would say. Right. Uh, so maybe uh, I'll go with a different quote. Uh, here's a fi- the name of a film. It's called Always Leave Them Laughing. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I really hate to be that guy. I Tell really me. hate to be that guy. But like the the bard is kind of the first one who said it best. Brevity is the soul of wit. I mean, yeah, that's good. But I just mean like in comedy, if you if you keep playing out jokes to their logical end, if you don't cut them, like if you don't. Oh, like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. If you don't if you're not choppy with your humor. If you just keep going, if there were a two hour stand up special 
I think people would be like, yeah, people would be like, well, he did too much or she did too much. There was, there was too much comedy. We can take brevity as a soul of wit for sure, but we we can take in small doses. Same with horror. If horror is too long, I think we just get bored because we think about it too much or you show your hand too much. The monster can only be as scary as we don't see it. You have to reveal it at some point or else we'll just get, we'll get annoyed uh, like there's there's like real science going into how you construct horror movies and how you construct uh, comedy movies. I feel like we need that science to be done on action movies, especially today. Because like what 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 was like Predator? That can't be a long movie, can it? What the original Predator? The original Predator. I gotta say, it's got to be close to ninety minutes. It's an hour and forty-seven minutes. Okay, there there is one prolonged slow period in Predator, though. Well, okay. So maybe that's where those eighteen minutes come from. Well, it's also because they play with horror a little bit with the Predator, so maybe like the, yeah, they they draw they get they get those eighteen horror minutes. I don't know. Um, but what I'm trying to say is like action movies back in the day were also snappy and, yes. and more played with the brevity of it and like were tightly constructed instead of being these long, not long, like I feel like action movies today are, 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 are drawn out, build up to a final set piece that like is supposed to melt your mind. But by the time we get to it, we're kind of like, well, yeah, you've been building it up all movie, so it's the logical conclusion. Yeah, the a real issue that I've run into, and we've talked about this a lot. Huge action movie fan, um, probably my second favorite genre to horror, I guess, uh, which is a dumb thing to say. Uh, such hierarchies do not exist in the mind, but like the for the past fifteen years, action movies feel exhausting. <laughs> Like they, they feel very tiring because they're very clearly building to something and they're playing this game of brinksmanship to the point where they're like having a shootout in a plane that's falling through the air and rotating. Like just give us, just be clever in yeah. a limited one hour, 40 minute runtime. Listen, The Dark Knight Rises would have been a better movie if they got to that plane sooner. What plane? Uh, isn't there like a plane with Bane in it? And the, they're like in the plane and the plane's like rotating around? John, that's the beginning of the movie. Is it? It's the, it's the opening Why shots. do I remember it as the ending? It's the beginning of the movie. Wow. Well, it would have been better if they got to um, that part where Bruce Wayne is eating lunch sooner. Yeah. <laughs> lunch in Paris. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're really. It, was that really the beginning of the movie? Uh, yeah. I, I'm because like they're, they're they're kidnapping that guy or whatever. Wow. I guess I'm hoisted by my own petard. Yeah. You're hoisted like that plane was hoisted. Hoisted. Uh, all right. So Mission Impossible, the first one. With Tom Cruise, the movie, not the TV series, uh, was an hour and 50 minutes. Yes. Uh, Mission Impossible 2 was two hours and three minutes. Okay. What, then they that must stopped have been fucking the 90s. numbering. <laughs> the that 90s. Must have been... Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, that that's too long for an action movie in the 90s. The first, yeah, the first Mission Impossible was 1996. I gotta say, the poster for Mission Impossible 2 does look like 
the box art for a PlayStation 2 Metal Gear game, and I really oh, yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, there's a big face and like a guy in a motorcycle, and and some... then like the, yeah, it's the 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 title treatment is down the side. Absolutely looks yeah. like the Snake Eater box art. There's like some vague imagery of war. <laughs> <laughs> vague war. All right, uh, yeah. So Mission Impossible Three was two hours and six minutes. So we're we're hanging around there. Uh, now I got to go by year because. They stopped numbering them. I guess it's Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Two hours and 13 minutes. Ghost uh, Protocols. I like Ghost Protocol it's quite a, good a name. bit. Uh, despite being directed by J.J. Abrams. Oh. Actually, I think that one was Brad Bird, if I'm not mistaken. I, oh, the guy who did The Incredibles? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Also Ratatouille and the Iron Giant. Okay. Hold your fucking horses. I'm just saying. I'm talking about run times here. I'm doing a list. Okay. Um, uh, Rogue Nation was two hours and 11 minutes, and uh, Fallout was two hours and 28 minutes. Yikes. Are these just getting longer? They are. They are. I think Dead Reckoning, between Dead Reckoning and whatever the last one's called, Dead Reckoning 2 Part 8, is this gonna, it's going to be like you said, like five hours of Tom Cruise jumping out of planes. I just don't think it's worth it for Mission Impossible. I mean, I don't think it's worth it for almost any film franchise, but particularly Mission Impossible, which is a series that crops up every four years. I'm like, I'll see that. I mean, I've I've seen all of them. I can't remember a goddamn detail about any of them. Uh, but it, it just doesn't earn it. I'm not invested in the Mission Impossible lore whatsoever. I don't know. I, I, I don't know anything about him. I know Henry Cavill had, like, gun arms. That was pretty cool. Yeah, he cocked his arms, which is the coolest thing anyone has ever done. There's the, that the, shot in the trailer where he does it and it goes poof, poof. yeah. The biggest takeaway on Twitter that I saw from the release of this new trailer was like, eh, nobody cocked their arms. So like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I'm going to go see this one. I, um, <laughs> would be really funny is uh, if in the original cut of the movie, when he cocks his arms, both of his elbows audibly and loudly <laughs> crack. <laughs> <laughs> I would be, it would be pretty funny if he cocked his arms and like shelves, like, exited his his arm yeah. he's like, like a 90s anime character he has revolver cylinders in his forearms yeah yeah where's that give Listen, me that give us a tight 90 minute movie where henry cavill is a man you can just steal the plot of you can steal wolverine as it appeared in the movies he was the subject of testing and they did experiments on him. They put revolvers in his hands. So now when he punches, if there's a bullet in there, he punches really hard. Yeah. It's the but he's best. Got, he's got to reload them. Yeah. Yeah. You ever play Super Robot Wars? You've talked to you've talked to me about them before. It's uh it's a it's a strategy robot game, but one of those robots has revolver hands. And okay. it's the best. Yeah. See, like, the problem with action movies, I think modern action movies, is they're too grounded. Like, oh, they're over-the-top action for sure, but it's like everything is still a little bit too plausible. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the wild and crazy cocaine-fueled 
decades of the 70s and 80s. I mean, some anime inspiration for sure. But yeah, let's do crazy shit with like revolver fingers and over the top craziness. Like if you're going to do an action movie, go all out. Stop making us be rooted into real world physics and stuff. Bring back gun kata. (laughs) Absolutely. Bring back equilibrium. Bring back the best Christian Bale movie. They cut that person's face off. Uh, I'll bring up, bring back face off, (laughs) bring back face off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Action movies used to be like the premises were fucking insane and they didn't explain shit because they didn't need to because they were great. Bring back face swapping. So within the last three nights, uh, my fiance and I actually watched a movie that I, uh, analyzed later. And I think, so this movie was greatly maligned at the time, uh, and, and largely, uh, disregarded. It has since made, it's, it's had a major renaissance. And I think that's because people realize that this movie came out in a shortly post matrix world, but was one of the last truly insane action movies and was actually very creative, well shot, super entertaining and innovative. That's right. Constantine. Oh, uh, we watched that maybe three nights ago. That movie rules. It's it's silly. <laughs> it's very silly, but it's one of the last action movies that was like, ah, oh, fuck it. Our premise is completely insane and, and loosely based on the Hellblazer comic book. Uh, and Keanu Reeves is a is a hell walker dying of uh, lung cancer who has a holy stake gun. Yeah, absolutely. Highly recommend Constantine for anyone who hasn't watched it. That movie rules. Tilda Swinton's in it. Tilda Swinton plays the Archangel Gabriel in that movie. That sounds pretty awesome. I've I've never seen it. It sounds really good. Highly recommend it. I think it's on HBO Max. Okay. Well, yeah, I think because it's technically a DC property. And uh, super, super. Yeah, I guess Vertigo is a DC imprint now. Maybe it it always has been. I have no idea. Uh, but highly recommended. The movie is great. Very much inspired by, uh, in similar ways that the matrix was very inspired by like anime framing. Uh, that movie rules. Yeah. Just take more lessons from anime. Just make things crazy. I, I think, a big... you know how much people like Pacific Rim? Yeah. People love Pacific Rim, but nobody saw the sequel. Yeah, because it didn't take lessons from anime. Oh, okay. I, I didn't see it, so I can't I can't weigh in. It wasn't as anime. It was more Power Rangers, to be honest with you. Oh, but they remade Power Rangers and made it more anime, so... And now the Red Ranger apparently defrauded the state in COVID relief funds. Amazing. What a great story. What? <laughs> Wait, did you not know about this? No, I this is this is the heavy hitting news we're here to report. Hold on, I need to pull up this article and actually find a good NPR is fine. Uh, the actor who played Red Power Ranger <laughs> in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers films into I firstly take issue with this uh don't say the films and television series maybe it's in the npr style guide uh has been charged with wire fraud conspiracy relating to the federal paycheck protection program ppp loans 
as we talked about earlier, jo- Jason Lawrence Giger of McKinney, Texas. Uh-oh. Yikes. Uh, is one of 19 defendants named in a federal indictment, the FBI said. Acting under the name Austin St. John, Giger played Jason Lee Scott, the Red Power Ranger. Giger was arrested Tuesday and remained jailed pending a Monday detention hearing before a federal magistrate in the Dallas suburb of Plano. According to court documents, he pleaded not guilty to the single count against him and intends to vigorously defend himself against his allegations, said his attorney, David Clout of Dallas. Uh, So yeah, the Red Power Ranger defrauded the PPP program. Oh my god! Allegedly. Allegedly. For wire fraud. That's crazy. But this was the original TV show and movies. Yeah, no, this was original, uh, the, the, what is it? The rec center where they all taught karate or whatever. Yeah, and this then isn't, it would, and then yeah. it would cut to footage from, from the Japanese TV show that was filmed 10 years earlier. Right. Oh, so, yeah. I loved Power Rangers. This wasn't up. the recent re- remake that was headed up by Elizabeth Banks. Uh, no, I, I'm completely unfamiliar with Elizabeth Banks' uh, Power Rangers. Oh, okay, yeah, they remade it with... They remade Power Rangers in the last ten years as a oh, movie. Oh, you're right, I never saw it. Yeah, I didn't either. I wonder who played Rita Repulsa. Elizabeth Banks, are you, are you not listening to me? Oh, I thought you meant Elizabeth Banks directed she, it or she something. She did. No, and I, she I, played Rita Repulsa. This is a real Eddie Murphy I don't, I don't, situation. <laughs> I don't know if she directed. Uh, but Bill she, Hader was Alpha 5? Yeah. Holy shit, who was Zordon? I think it was Brian Cranston. How have I not seen this movie? I don't know if I'm... Fred the... Tataskiori was Goldar. Yeah, yeah, Brian Cranston was Zordon. It's how, got, have I, how have it, I not seen this It even movie? has Billy from Stranger Things. It has a female Green Ranger? Yeah. And Elizabeth Banks was Rita Repulsive, but who directed it? Dean is real. That's, is that their name? Dean Israelite? <laughs> Hold on. This is some live Googling, folks. Is that his oh. name? <laughs> What's funny is his name is Dan Israelite. And he's from South Africa, holding up the tradition of the fact that uh, South Africans fucked up names. <laughs> How do you pronounce that name? <laughs> it is Israelite. The Dean funny thing Israelite. to me, the funny thing to me, is that everyone in South Africa is just making up names. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> Yeah, like Charlize Theron. Yeah, okay. Charlize Theron, Elon Musk. It's all fake. (laughs) They all have fake names. Uh, I don't know why I thought Elizabeth Banks, like, was, was, but maybe she executive produced it. He apparently directed Project Almanac and then the Power Rangers and Are You Afraid of the Dark? They made a new. uh, What? I'm. Okay, you lost me. Wait, that Dacker Montgomery guy was in Power Rangers? Who's Dacker Montgomery? The cigarette-smoking guy who did curls in Stranger Things? Billy oh, he... from Stranger Things. Yeah, I... Billy it's from Stranger Things. It's like you don't he listen did... to me. He did Jason. <laughs> he was Jason. Okay, uh, that's I'm going to circle back. I think, in a lot of, the way, in a lot of ways, Christopher Nolan's... Uh, Batman series was very good. I really liked it. 
I do think it's too influential. I think it made people like think, oh, our action movies need to be serious and they need to be dark and gritty and like we got to take ourselves very seriously. This is a very serious art we're making. Yeah, they need to be cerebral and plodding. Right. And I think that has lended itself to the action genre uh, coupled with the, the problem that the action movie used to be like the quick sort of summer blockbuster. We're going to make this with like kind of a small budget. It's going to be small. Like the runtimes are going to be short so we can pack the theaters with, with multiple showings in a day. And uh, I, now studios and executives, they don't want to take the risk. It's like this better be worth it. We're going to throw a lot of money at it. Take the, what, you know, make the vision that you want to make and make it good. So people talk about it. And now what we're suffering from are just overlong action movies that take themselves too seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Could not agree more. Yeah. So, you know, once again, Christopher Nolan ruined movies. Christopher Nolan has ruined all genres of movies, uh, which is interesting, actually, because in saying that the direction post- uh, Dark Knight Batman Begins is that they went more cerebral and plotting. Uh, largely, I think that's been a failure. However, in Matt Reeves' The Batman, it maxed out its cerebral and plotting stats and was probably the best Batman movie uh, that I can remember. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Uh, but it was not an action movie, really. No, uh, it, it's a thriller, like Seven or... Yeah. Uh, yeah, along came a spider, like any crime investigation movie. It was one of those. And so it benefited from the the cerebral and plotting because it wanted you to think and not just be straight up action. Yeah. Whereas, uh, ac- uh, listen, here are the genres that uh, Christopher Nolan has ruined. Dreams with Inception. The genre of dreams. <laughs> All dreams. The genre of war boys with Dunkirk. Um, I thought Dunkirk was fine. It's a 50%. I never uh, saw it. You have to be into war movies to even begin to like it. Right. Um, he's ruined, uh, Batman. What else has he done? Time travel or whatever the fuck Tenet's about. He's ruined time travel. Christopher, or- he's ruined... Matthew McConaughey in space with Interstellar. <laughs> the genre of Matthew McConaughey. Actually, Interstellar is really good. Yeah, I, it's probably his best movie. Yeah. Like, no cap, as the as the children with the tussled hair say. Yeah, I, wa- I just want to no give cap. everyone an update that um, I have not finished this 13% Imperial Stout finished with a whole cake, and I'm like flop sweating. <laughs> I'm delirious. <laughs> This I beer, feel, I feel very strange. The makers of that beer succeeded because you're flop sweating. You don't know where you are. <laughs> the beer's not <laughs> just long I, enough. I feel like I'm drinking motor oil. Oh, no. I feel like oh. I'm drinking a substance that's not meant for human consumption. <laughs> Wait, John, peel up the label a little bit. Is that is that just some, oh, no. is that just some motor oil in a can? Uh, I forget what motor oil numbers, numbers are. Something W30. <laughs> WD? W- oh no, I'm just drinking WD-40. Yeah. Yikes, buddy. Well, it is what it is. I just wanted to let everyone know that uh, if I haven't been making sense for the last 15 minutes, it's... Oh no, we, 
we've been having a really, really like salient conversation. Am I, I also not making it. sense? I remember none of it. Um, we've yeah, just the, been complaining about the lengths of movies for too long, I guess. The the you know what the length of this conversation about the length of movies is it too long? Might be a little bit too long. Go see Mission Impossible: Ghost Dad. <laughs> Okay, I might see Mission Impossible Ghost Dad. That sounds pretty fun. I would would genuinely see Mission Impossible Ghost Dad and Mission Impossible Slime Rancher. (laughs) I thought it was Jack Reacher Slime Rancher. (laughs) I would see Jack Reacher Slime Rancher. I would not see Mission Impossible My Time in Porsche uh, or Jack Reacher My Time at Sandrock. Those sound awful. I would, however, see what's another Tom Cruise movie? What's another Tom Cruise movie? Vanilla Sky. I would see Vanilla Sky, uh, Minecraft, <laughs> Terraria. What is happening? I'm just naming uh, Town games. Sims, I guess. Yeah. Oh, have you ever seen uh, what's another Tom Cruise movie? <laughs> um, scanning He's... Top Gun. I would see Top Gun Harvest Moon 64. <laughs> a lot of people are raising raising their they're, they're doing a full it got a standing ovation. Let me start this sentence over. Top Gun Maverick got a standing ovation at Cannes. <laughs> That's uh Con has changed. <laughs> you laughed really aggressively and it has thrown me off. <laughs> it's, uh apparently I, I just I, I for real just looked up Tom Cruise's full name. Okay. His name is Thomas Cruise Map Other the Fourth. What? Thomas Cruise Map Other the Fourth. Map Other? Thomas Mapother? Cruise. Full name? Oh, what the fuck? Thomas Cruise map over the fourth. Yeah, I would see Eyes Wide Shut Stardew Valley. Okay, that's just creepy. Anyway. You're just being a little creep. What? What? Do, do we need a fucking Navy goddamn plane movie? <laughs> I just don't understand why. So, I think the first Top Gun is a a tremendous film in all the ways it wasn't intended to me uh, because it's uh, not very action-y. It's mostly just really sexy and it's both uh, heterosexually sexy and homosexually sexy. Uh, The volleyball scene, huh? Top Gun lives in two worlds. It really does. It is the most bisexual movie ever created. So how do you make a sequel to it 30,000 years later? I mean, I think you make a sequel to it the way you make a sequel to any 80s or 90s thing right now, which is you turn it into like a pretty castrated action movie. Well, yeah, you take it too seriously. With nothing interesting to say, everything's super serious, and then every character is a simulation or a simulacra of characters from previous movies. And then in the latter third of the movie, you introduce like one character element that you hadn't introduced previously. And then at the climax, you introduce another character 
or else it's it's really it's what I like to call the Ghostbusters book. All right, which I think was a fine movie, but don't bring people back from the dead. I didn't see it, so I don't know what you're talking about. The ghosts? There are ghosts? Yeah, Ghostbusters. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, there's a ghost dad. There's ghost dad? Yeah, ghost dad. Is he cool? Huh? Pretty cool. Ghost dad's pretty cool. (laughs) I think we should stop talking about ghost dad because I think ghost dad was actually a Bill Cosby property. Oh, no. Did he just ruin another thing? Listen, you can reboot Ghost Dad. Oh, now I'm Googling Ghost Dad. It's a 1990 film. Yeah, top billing. Bill Cosby. Mission Impossible Ghost Dad has been canceled due to problematic tweets. Yeah. Mission Impossible Ghost... Listen, we can take Ghost Dad back. I don't know that we can. Make it Ghost Mom. No, I don't think that's enough. Okay, fine. Ghost Dad's off the table. Thank God. <laughs> it was really hard to eat with Ghost Dad on the table. Yeah, he wouldn't shut up about the thermostat. I don't know. I'm That's lost. what dads do. That's what they do. John, I feel like we are being overlong and we're, we, we meant to leave our audience with a point, but now we're just bloated and... and we don't n- quite know what the end game is anymore. Yeah, now we're just bloated and uh, flop sweating. And uh, yeah, I-, I feel like we really were approaching cogency, if that's a word. Uh, but to leave it, to leave it to say, oh my God, I feel terrible. <laughs> Make your movies shorter. Yeah. Don't break them up into two parts. It's ridiculous. Say what you need to say. I want to see you be brave. (laughs) Tom Cruise and Fast and Furious uh, and all the other movies with two-part finales. Um, Harry Potter didn't even deserve it. I actually think you can take a lot of air out of the Deathly Hollows as a book. Wow. Now that's the controversial take of the night. Yeah. And if you want more controversial takes like that, you can poke the bear as they say, get your little poking stick. You know, apparently some people think bear spray works like bug spray. (laughs) Like if you spray a bunch of bear spray, the bears won't come near you. Wow. Um, PSA, you got to apply the bear spray to the bear. Yeah, that's on the can. Please apply directly to the bear. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, bear spray, apply directly to the bear head. That's fun from 25 fucking years ago. If you want to be haunted by the (laughs) specters of your past, by the Ethan haunts of your past, the Ethan haints, he lives in a shifferobe. Don't know if you caught that earlier. Uh, A little Harper Lee reference. You can send us (laughs) correspondence via Twitter, uh, to at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. That stands for Henry. Oh, wow. That stands for Henry? I didn't. I never knew that. Yeah, I've been saying it for like 100 episodes. If you want to send us an email about, uh, I don't know, haunts, ghosts, or how you uh, dislike the sound of our voice, but you listen anyway because you're a masochist, you sick little fuck, you can send us an email. <laughs> Uh, to email at zerocredits.net. Still a website.
We are on all the podcast platforms, Good Pods, Podchaser, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Um, the podcast app I used to use and I found out it was spyware. And then any other podcast app that will try to blackmail you via Wait, email. Which one huh? which one's spyware? I forget the name. It was called like Podbox or something. Okay, okay. Not the it, one I use. No, it wasn't. Wait, what do you use? Podcast Addict. Ooh. It's a good one. Uh, <laughs> we are on all of them. Wherever you get your podcast today, we're there. And if you have friends who use other podcast places, we're there. Probably. As well. Be- and you, if you have friends, uh, bless you. Blessed, blessed are you <laughs> for having friends. Uh, bless you for having them. But bless you more for telling them about us. That's right, because word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. So please tell your friends about the podcast. Tell them you care about the podcast and about us. I've actually been get- uh, g- 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 I've been harvesting harvesting now a decent crop of podcast recommendations from friends of other friends and acquaintances who have podcasts. And if you would like to include us in that cadre, uh, please tell people about us, uh, make the crop grow larger bumper crop of podcasts. Why are you tell yelling? People, <laughs> tell people about us. Uh, because that will will grow as a podcast, and uh, we might send you a little monetary gift in the mail if we feel like it, and can prove that you told your friends about us. Impossible to prove. You're never getting that money. Not in <laughs> and, a million years. <laughs> and from everyone here at the Overlong and Lost the Point Long Ago Studios Part 1, We want to wish you a happy week. Stay tuned for part two. What has happened to you? Stay tuned for part two. What will happen to the hobbits? Is this what Liquor Henry is like? Uh, Maybe. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. feel largely fine just very hot and gross